You're listening to Green Business with Impact. Your host is Jasper Steinhausen. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I have the privilege of having Thomas Panduro as our guest here on the podcast. He is one of three grandsons of the founder of the company. He's co-owner and business-to-business director of Panduro. And Panduro is a leading Scandinavian craft business. I met Thomas a few weeks ago when I was giving a full session on the business side of circular economy to a group of executives. And quite early on, I realized that, well, Thomas was a guy that had done some thinking around the role of sustainability in his company and was working on actively turning those thoughts into reality. So I was thinking a perfect match for this podcast series. So I was really happy when he on the spot accepted the invitation. And I've been really looking forward to hearing and learning more about what it is they've been doing in, in all those years where sustainability has been on their agenda. So dear listener, I'll give you Thomas Panduro. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really, really glad to have you here. And uh, I've been looking forward to having this conversation and learn more about your work uh, at Panduro and your thoughts about uh, on, on sustainability. But why don't we jump in right at the deep end of the pool and, and go straight to it. What is your expectations to the role of sustainability in the future marketplace? I think it's very important for the future uh, customers that the companies they want to buy products from work uh, with sustainability. I think it's kind of licensed to operate. If you don't do this, they won't buy from you in the future. You, you basically mean it is, it's a prerequisite for actually being in the marketplace? I think it's very important to be in the marketplace that you show that you work uh, with uh, sustainability in all different areas in your company, uh, transportation, production, together with your employees, and, and all the way around. Okay. Um, interesting. Uh, so that's a bit of a, of a bigger picture, but why don't we give people a chance to understand a little bit better Panduro? So could you tell us just briefly... What you know? Who are you, Pandu? What are you actually doing, and why are you doing it? Yeah. We're doing uh, this. Uh, we're selling craft and arts products in Scandinavia since 1954. Uh, today, we operate in Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and actually also um, the Netherlands and Belgium. We have uh, stores, uh, approximately around 100 stores in all together in all the three countries. Uh, four countries and then we have also uh, e-commerce of course today uh, further it was called mail order it's uh, converted to e-commerce the last 10-15 uh, years and it's today approximately 20-25% of our business is e-commerce right and why are you here do you sort of have a stated purpose of why you're doing what you do of course we have a vision uh, Pandora shall be the preferred choice for play crafting and creativity in Scandinavia and, and uh, we can add Europe as well, but we're only in Netherlands and Belgium. So we, we stay with Scandinavia in this vision. And, uh, and how is business going? Is it, uh, is it an, an upgoing uh, business? Or are, you in, you know, are people more focused into this area? Or how are you doing in, the, in these times where computers and everything is all around us? So how is craft doing? Yes, of course. Uh, we see ourselves as an alternative to the digital platforms today. Uh, we actually started... A, very nice growth uh, the year before the pandemic, uh, but the pandemic has made it even more clear to everybody that our kind of product is, is fantastic and necessary uh, to have a nice and, and 
which we say live and, and uh, alternative to the digital platforms. We cannot compete with the iPhones or any other digital platform, but we are an important alternative. Every parent wants their kids to be creative and more and more grown-ups want to be creative and use their hands and brain to make creative things. Sounds good. And uh, well, I can only second that as a parent that uh, that you're absolutely right. That, <laughs> that it, it does feel nice to have some, some sort of alternative once in a while for, for all the digital yeah. platforms, even though they can do a lot of good stuff as well. We see much of our, we, we, sell, uh, we sell togetherness. Sell togetherness, I like that. <laughs> so you said in the beginning that sustainability is a must basically if you want to stay in business so here on this podcast we also talk a lot about circular economy as as one of the tools to work uh, with sustainability in your business but what is circular economy to you and and how do you use that in your business in our business much uh, our products you use them and then uh, they're gone we sell paints and clay and all this kind of thing. You use them and they're gone. So our uh, focus is, of course, of use our products to uh, modernize your uh, other products you have at home. Instead of throw them out, paint them with some of our paints. Uh, use our things instead of buying new things. And then, of course, we have focus on, on all the packaging, how you shall throw it away. Okay. And change the packaging to instead of plastic to other materials. Because when we our products are used... The product's gone, but you still have, but you still have the the, uh, the products. What's what's how it was packed? So you say that because of the, the the products that you sell, then people they can actually sort of upgrade and prolong life of products they have at home. So instead of throwing them out, they will yes. they will actually give them a new life and new value yeah. for them, and, and thereby a longer life. Yeah, we use the word uh, upcycling actually a lot, and there is a lot of of. Uh, on the social media, you can see people buying products and uh, upcycling their uh, typical IKEA uh, furniture. Instead of the, just having it as it was bought, they paint it with paints, and they, instead of throwing it away, they they, uh, they paint them or do something with them with our products. That's interesting. Do you actually have people coming in, you know, with a used product in hand and saying, "I'm looking for this for a way to sort of upgrade it," or or is it just because you know? We do see that in the store, yes, and you can. On our homepage, see a lot of get a lot of inspiration how to reuse your uh, use our product when you want to upcycle your other products. Ah, well, that's great. Well, we'll make sure to drop a link in the in the show notes for the website for people to be uh, to be inspired by it. Uh, I know, of course, uh, you know with the with the position that you held in the company, you're probably not at the shop floors that often. But do you have any specific examples of you know stories about what people? bring in and want to upgrade just to make it really tangible for, for people. I know there's been competitions in Sweden, how to upgrade your IKEA Billy shelf. That's been uh, people coming in and you know, what paint should I buy to do this and be part of this competition. And Billy uh, Fresh Shelf is known all over Scandinavia. So, and, and uh, yeah, I believe it's one of the bigger selling products from IKEA, right? Yeah. 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 So that's a good example. So you'll be hacking the IKEA world, uh, or people will <laughs> using you. <laughs> that's great. All right. Yeah. Um, so this is all about sustainability and circular economy in terms of business. And so you've been working with this for a while, and you've been doing a lot of thinking about it as well. I can I can hear. That's again, as I said in the beginning, one of the reasons why I invited you in here. Um, what kind of results have you seen so far, and what are you expecting? 
sort of when you in, in in the years ahead of you in terms of this connecting using sustainability and circular economy to enhance your business well we can say we started this kind of uh, we didn't call it sustainability in, in the middle of the 90s but that's when and then first time uh, we really started working with this but then when it's more uh, focused on content in the products uh, where we in scandinavia denmark and sweden and norway are have been ahead of the rest of the world in in uh, the content of the products and and that's been very important in the, in the 90s and then it, from there it has developed to what it is today for us so we have been working with this in in, in since so we, that means more than 25 mm-hmm. years and today we have a regulatory uh, department with four people who work full time on on, uh, on our products and and other things uh, regarding uh, sustainability. And, and we, since four years, we have a, a, a report telling our customers it's on our homepage what we do and what we expect to do in the future. We all know the the, the 17 UN uh, goals. And we have chosen four or five of them that fo- we focus on where we think Pandora can, can make an impact, which you can also see in the report. And then we, uh, we put goals into each of these uh, goals that we have chosen from a UN report. If you look at it from a, strictly from a business point of view, what kind of value could you see that that working with your sustainability and been doing that for so many years as you have, what kind of business results do you, do you get out of that? We feel that Pandora today is the strongest brand brand in in Scandinavia uh, in the in the business our craft business, and we also feel and when we make surveys, uh, our customers expect us, expect us to be uh, where we are, and and they say if we, we know that if we go to Pandora, the products are safe for our kids to use. And that's very much the focus from the customer side. Is is the product safe to use for our kids? Uh, since we have we sell a lot of products for for families and and, uh, and their kids, that's the customer's main focus. Then we have of course seen that that's not enough in the future. We have to work with all other kinds of transportation and packaging and everything. And that's that's where we see challenges. Uh, how do we uh, tell the customers what we actually do? But then there, I say that you had to do that in the future because uh, the customers expect that you work with this kind of things, and our employees expect us to do with work with this kind of things. So, can you see? I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense that that safety and the the actual choice of materials is is one of the things that you're known for. Um, do you have any sort of either estimates or a specific analysis showing you what it means in terms of your market share and how important is it for your business that that you ha- that your portfolio consists of products that are safer, you know, compared to to what are some of the alternatives out there. We, we don't have any surveys showing it's uh, the impact, but we know uh, uh, when we make surveys, which we do uh, every year, that this is very much important for the customer. Uh, you can see some kind of change of people, especially in this two years of pandemic, that people try to buy products from Scandinavian or local countries instead of buying from. Uh, countries uh, in Asia, more and more people are focusing. Okay, we want to buy safe products. Maybe they're a little bit more expensive, but they're safe. And we know that they're working on transportation and uh, mm. packaging and everything. And that's going to be more and more important in the future. Even though there will always be people who focus on price instead of everything else. Of course, yeah. 
Yeah, but I think I mean I think you're tapping into a, as you said, people are focusing more on health and safety, and it's been you know one of the things that COVID has shown us all is that <laughs> that even the smallest things can really really make a huge difference. And if health is is out of balance, then you know it completely changes the world we have around us. Um, so I think you, you fit nicely in there, and, and with your togetherness, that's what you're selling. It becomes even more important that what you what you actually gather around it has to be safe. Otherwise, it won't. It has it won't to be make safe. Any sense. And when people buy from Pandora, they know uh, they feel that they bought from a company who takes responsibility. Yeah. All right. So we have to make sure we do that all the way. Really interesting, uh, and connects nicely, I think, with what you said in the beginning about how imperative it is to have a good sustainability profile going forward. Uh, so it's basically also, uh, you know, getting kind of future-proofing your, your company that, that just strengthen your, your profile on sustainability. Yeah, I like the, the an article I read a, a while ago where they used the word license to operate. I mean, this will be the license to operate yeah. in the future. Yeah, I think you're right. Let's jump over to some of the key learnings, um, because a lot of the people that will be listening to listening to this podcast, uh, they are they're kind of like in a situation where you are. You know, they've been working on sustainability for a little while, but they they realize that it's time to step up the game. And, and you're just a couple of couple of steps ahead of that because you did that realization a few years ago or some years back. Uh, so, what are the key learnings that you could share, really, on how to work with sustainability in a way that sort of underpins and help you develop your business to where it is you want to take it? First of all, I think you have to make sure that the, the board and the, the CEO and the company around there, they they, uh, they work with this together. That's very important. And they also, you also have to make sure that the employees expect that, uh, see, this, is, this will cost a little bit extra money. And you have to, I think you also to, uh, hire people who are ex experts. Uh, we have today four uh, people working with this. So take this internal and use it uh, and put money into it. It will cost money and take time. You have to have patience. So patience, money, and time. Uh, I guess it's, yeah. it's, all, it's all part of the investment side, right? Um, so yeah. you got to invest in this both in terms of, of of uh, money and time and people. Um, but of course, you've also just explained kind of like the, the outcome of it. Uh, so there's a good return on that investment, hopefully. Um, and we started back in 95, so it yeah. takes time. I'll just jump in here in the interview uh, because it's interesting now here where Thomas talks about the need for investing money and time and and patience um, in it. And just want to clarify a bit or add something because it's really important when you look at business cases, when you work on sustainability and on circular economy in a different way than what you would normally do. Because very often you might invest one place, you might have one account that actually, where you extract the money from, but you will very often find that the that the results they come in multiple areas. So you might have something on your client side, you might have something on cost reduction, you might have something on employer happiness, you might have something on 
uh, on your branding and brand value. And, and so it's quite normal when you work with circular economy and that, that the business case is different than what you're used to. So if you just look at it like you normally would, uh, what's the payback time on this investment? you will very often be missing a lot of opportunities. So just a bit of a heads up for you guys when you when you sit and evaluate whether or not a proposal or an idea is good for you to really have that broader picture and see what how many how many places could I extract value if I choose to invest in this specific initiative. All right, but that's it. Let's jump back into the interview with Thomas. Do you have other sort of specific key learnings you could share with us on, on you, from your journey? Well, you have to be uh, tough with the, with the suppliers. You have to tell them what you want. And you have sometimes to take, say no to products mm -hmm. if we stay in that area with the product focus. Well, we don't, if you don't do this and change this content, we won't buy your product if we go that, take, uh, focus on that part. So how's how's that kind of dialogue? You know, what's the response from your suppliers when you sort of push push them? Have they been willing to to go along on your journey, or what's it been like? It, it has been very difficult during the years, especially talking with uh, companies in Asia and US. Uh, they didn't understand this, and they still have problems understanding it. Uh, they also have problems understanding that they have to tell. Uh, our authorities uh, about the content, which they think the company uh, security or company uh, yeah, proprietary uh, knowledge. Yeah, but it, today it's been a lot bigger, big change in this the last five six years because they know everybody's asking for this today when it comes to content and uh, how you produce it and uh, where it's produced and who works with it. It's been a big change. But it's uh, taking a lot of time. So would it be fair to say that it's easier to do the journey today than it was when you started? It's easier today than it was 20 years ago, definitely. Well, thank you for help clearing the path a bit, <laughs> a bit for people. <laughs> uh, I definitely uh, recognize what you're saying that, that you know, it's just an ever-growing issue and, and thus more and more people, of course, uh, start to answer, ask these questions. And today, there's focus from all the companies in Europe on this. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, it's focused from companies in Scandinavia. And today it's all over Europe. So the, the big suppliers from Asia and US, if they want to sell products in Europe today, they know that we have to follow their European regulations. Yeah, makes sense. And even though we are uh, small countries in Scandinavia, it, it, it's been very important that the whole European Union is working on this today in another way than it was before. What are the current focus you have, uh, in, again, in terms of sustainability in your business and how to develop your business? So what's your, what's your current focus and, and challenges that you're facing? Well, the current focus is if we, can, if we go back to the UN uh, goals that we have chosen. We, we, uh, we work on now and uh, actually we continue to uh, our code of conduct, compliance and force, which we, we, we want all our suppliers to sign our code of conduct. And we work with that. I think we now are actually on uh, uh, approximately around 90% have, have signed that. We want to increase the share of packaging uh, composed of recyclable materials. Instead of plastic, we go to other materials that can be um, reused. That's a big focus for us is packaging, uh, going away from plastic and using other materials. We also try to um, 
sometimes the, the packaging can be a part of the product mm -hmm. uh, if it's possible. So you use the product, the packaging as well. For example, uh, in 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 a Christmas calendar that we have had the last two three years, the box that you buy with all the pr products you you shall do uh, is a part of the of the calendar. So when you're done, you ha you haven't thrown anything out. You know, is there a specific response? Can you feel that customers are are happy with these kind of solutions? Yeah, they like it. They like the creativity. Their the kids uh, use their hands every day, and they can see that. Uh, well, we didn't throw anything out, even though we bought twenty four more. Uh, you know, we do this every day in twenty four days and before Christmas, so they get a fantastic result. It's really interesting because here, you know, here you're completely different from. I would, you know, I mean, your line of businesses from just about anybody else because, I mean, you have the, I guess you could say, luxury that you can actually make packaging. It's okay to make it a bit of a challenge as long as it's an integrated part of the craft, the exercise itself. Whereas, you know, normally people would say, you know, we're really, really cautious about making changes to our, our packaging because, you know, what does people think? What's the unboxing experience and everything? But you actually have a chance to say, well, we flip it and make it part of the product. We make it part of the challenge. Yeah. It's absolutely okay. And people is going to like it. I think that's, that's really interesting. Can you see other areas in then your Christmas calendar where you can take that approach? Well, we also, um, often our products also, uh, the, the packaging is also part of storing the product. Uh, if you don't use all of it, you can store it in the, in, in the packaging. Okay. So we'd, uh, we really try to minimize the packaging that you have mm. to throw out. So what are, the, what are the challenges right now? Because this, you know, it seems like you have, you have some interesting things undergoing and, and some results already on that in packaging. What's, what would you really like to be able to succeed with, say, in the next uh, one to two years in terms of, of your focus on packaging? And that all plastic is gone. Uh, if it's possible, uh, we have to work together with suppliers, of course, in this uh, matter. And some suppliers are very big and sell all over the world. And we maybe we're just a small customer, but still, it's possible to uh, make an impact and keep asking and asking and asking. <laughs> That's the way you have to do it when it comes to packaging. And uh, and of course, this is getting more and more focus from other customers as well for these uh, suppliers. So it's. Uh, but it's a big focus. And then the next focus we have actually is transportation. Uh, and we have two kinds of transportation. You can see we, the way we buy our products, they come uh, mostly of them from uh, Asia and Europe. So it's uh, both um, with uh, transports from Asia, which is also, of course, uh, shipping. And then in Europe, it's of, on, on uh, lorries. So we have a goal there that all our, our um, Transportation shall be fossil free in 2030 uh, when it comes to uh, this kind of transportation. And then we had the next step of transportation. It's uh, when we ship to our customers, so buy on e-commerce. And there we want that uh, to be possible to uh, um, offer them fossil free uh, transportation also in, uh, in 2030. And there is a lot of so, uh, people we can work with, uh, companies we can work with on that now. Yeah, that's an area that's under rapid change as well, right? Mm. Um, yes. So, so you will say that if I, in a couple of years' time, when I buy a product from your web shop, then the transportation out to my doorstep will be 
either fossil free or or a change completely in the way. It will be possible for you to yeah. We at least you will be able to choose that okay. solution. Uh, so the aim is to yeah. make it a choice. Yeah, you can make that choice. Sometimes a little bit more expensive, but I think that I will change. And the third uh, transportation where we can make an impact is when we send uh, goods to our stores in old Scandinavia. Uh, we send on pallets and we try to reduce the number of pallets that we sh ship to the stores. Yeah. And if when you succeed on that, I think that will also be directly on your mm. on your bottom line, yeah. right? Because that's that's yeah. dollars and cents as well. Yeah, that's of course yeah. too. All right. So those are the three things. Um, I was just wondering, back to the packaging. Do we have any examples? I don't know if you have already, but you know, what are you, when you say we would like to get out of plastics? What are the alternatives that you find that are viable, and you know, meet the criteria you have for quality, price, stability, and so on? Yeah, today it's often uh, Sweden produced uh, paper or uh, uh, cartons that we use instead. Uh, and if you choose uh, paper and carton produced in, in Sweden or Norway or Finland, it's always uh, it's easy to uh, check the whole chain, uh, and you can see also uh, you can also choose suppliers who work with the environmental issues, just like yourself, when producing in Sweden and Norway and, and, and Finland, where the big producers are in this area in Scandinavia. Okay, so I'll just jump in again here um, because Thomas here, when he talks about the supply chain and the, the importance or the value of having closer uh, relations uh, to your supplier, I'll just say that this is an area that gets growing attention. So it's not already on your, on your desk. Uh, I would put it there if I were you because it becomes increasingly important to be able to to answer when people say, you know, where does your product come from? What does your supply chain look like? Who is doing what? Um, so if, if you today is one of those companies like many that actually only knows and have insights about detailed really what happens under at my supplier and perhaps one more level back, uh, that get yourself an overview of your supply chain backwards um, because sooner or later, and probably sooner than later, you will find yourself getting questions about about your supply and your supply chain and, and all the elements and components uh, inside it. So with that said, let's get back in with Thomas. So I'd like to zoom out here in the end and, uh, and have a bit of a view into the future. So Thomas, how do you sort of see that the role of business, what is the role of business in, in the transition to a more sustainable future? I think the role of business is to be uh, ahead of the customer, uh, continue the work, it's, not, it's never done. You have to put new, set new goals uh, every year or every other year together with your employees and, uh, and your customers. Uh, the, I think also we will uh, always be ahead of the, the authorities because the customers demand more than their authorities can handle to uh, to do. So actually, I think, uh, make sure that you have this in the organization on every level and make sure you, and you will never be done. I think that's, uh, 
that's a good way to end uh, with that with that picture of where we are going and uh, and what it could mean like. So, Thomas, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and insights and experiences. Um, it's been a true pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. And uh, for all of you out there listening, uh, thank you so much. And uh, I'll see you in a later episode. You've listened to Green Business with Impact. You can get more insight on how to create circular business on bwimpact.com. If you want to get in touch, you are very welcome to connect with Jasper on LinkedIn. Just type in Jasper Steinhausen. If you have questions, comments or suggestions for future podcast episodes, please contact Jasper js at bwimpact.com. <laughs>